January 4, 2021. It's the Watt for Pedro Show.
Pedro Show, first Monday of the year. Brother Matt at uh, Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point because we're still in quarantino mode. I should say, we well, we'll get to that in a minute because uh, i got to tell you, I'm not just man alone, people. Because of those fucking incredible software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention from Magnet, Magnet Hearts, I got John, Jonathan, Brother Heath. Welcome aboard, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah. And, uh, are you guys all in the Val? Uh, this is Heath. I'm in Glendale. That's the Val. East part, but still Val. Northeast <laughs> L.A. now. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and we're, uh, Jonathan and I are in uh, Highland Park. Ah, okay. So on Pedro's side of the hills. Uh, exactly. Yeah, Nels Klein lived a little while in Glendale. He said... Uh, the ombre are wonderful. Like they got so much to do. They follow your ass around after gigs and harass you. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> that I've might, that might be just a, a urban myth. I don't know. He's in New York city nowadays. Um, I so. used to, I used to see Nels at Vaughn's grocery shopping all the time. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. He stands out. He's a big guy. Yeah. And he's actually, it might've been his twin Alex, except he's huh. on the West side. So, He's also a drummer, man. 
really? Speaking of drummer man, speaking of drummer man, let's talk about the fucking shit I played to start the show off. John Coltrane was something called the drum thing, which is obviously highlighting Mr. Elvin Jones. And uh, I know about two of you guys going back to fire hose days in a band called Backbiter and sharing stage together. And this proj is missing that man. But that's Bobby. okay. Well, we'll get into that later. Then we had the Magnet Hearts. with the, Now, people, I've played you the whole album that they made last year or the year before. I don't know exactly when it was meant, but it was recent, and I played it out. But then, you know, I played all them songs one at a time on the show. I wanted to bring the guys on. So, fuck, we had no more material. What, play the whole fucking album again? So what they did is they went out and recorded another record, <laughs> which I think is fucking bitching, you know? It's not like I'm, you know, make it be so in the wish granter fucker, or they're the wish granters. But it, it, it's interesting how music can be like that. It can uh, motivate or whatever, or, you know, a, a fellow music clown or whatever can give the word and then things start to happen. I, I'm just so glad you guys made this record and that you're on the show to talk about it. Uh, Look, my pop said this is a dangerous word, and it wasn't spelled this way by accident. But I'm going to assume this is a John Proj to start off with. And then you brought Jonathan and Heath aboard? Um, this, uh, how did this start, Jonathan? Basically, it was about two and a half, uh, about three years ago, was it? Yeah, actually, uh, we I just did a record, the last Preach record. Um, the one that came out when we played with, with you guys at that, uh, club in, uh, Highland Park. Freaks, and, the, dr uh, the drummer man, right? Turned guitar yeah. guy. But I heard Bob Lee got scissors back on the drums. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, so anyway, not to get off on tangent, but yeah. so, so you were doing this Freaks album. Right. And you know, and it was a good, a great, it was one of the, one of the better, uh, recording, uh, experience I, I had, you know, we did it. You know, suddenly everyone's recording at home, so you're not spending a fortune on recording. You know, it was the first time I had time to actually, you know, work on stuff, do it till it's till it's really great, and actually write some stuff in the in the um, in the studio. So I mean, my creative juices were flowing. I just got divorced too, so I had a lot of brain energy going on. So I went and that last album, I pretty much wrote right after that Freaks experience. I had all this energy. So I put together the band just around that, you know, so it's a, a different thing than, uh, you know, Backbiter was always a very democratic kind of thing. You know, the three of us brought our thing in there, you know, no one ever told anyone what to do. It just sort of was very organic. Um, this one was more, you know, I, you know, I wanted it to play with John because we were in the motorcycle black Madonna's. Yeah, I was, I was going to, I was going to, I was wondering about that. Wasn't that your baby? Yeah, you know, but it was with my ex-wife. So, you know, once the marriage was over, the band was kind of kaput. So. Now, I got a different experience because me and Kay actually got tighter. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you're... No, everything's different. Everything's different. Everything's different. Yeah. Anyway, well, I didn't I mean was... to interrupt. So, I see, I did assume wrong. See, my pop said, when you, you use that word, you make an ass out of you and me. And yeah, I, but I mean, you're, you're actually... I didn't really right make an ass out of you, though. I made an ass <laughs> out of me. So, you, you're... You are kind of right in a way, though, because John's been 
kind of the guy just nudging everybody to get busy, get their ass in gear. You know, especially on this one, John's like, hey, aren't you going to, aren't we going to do some more stuff? You know, he was pushing me to do this. I could have easily just hibernated this whole year. I'm kind of a hermit a little bit. So, you know, between John doing that and then you asking for more stuff, you know, nothing sparks creativity. Well, I'm, I'm like not really getting I'm not up to this second record yet. I'm still up to the first yeah. record because I never got <laughs> okay. I never had you guys on the show, so we never got to talk about it. But I, I'm so, getting yeah. I'm getting the kind of notion that John is more of an instigator than a constipator. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I am uh, well versed in both, proficient at both, and you know I when Jonathan wrote all these songs, I was uh, I was in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. My friend's wife. Uh, they just been killed by a drunk driver, and I was out there helping them through some really it's dark terrible. times. And uh, I am someone that does not like to text message much. And when I get serial texts that go bing, 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 my blood pressure just shoots through the roof. And this was about one in the morning in Michigan, and Jonathan had texted me seven or eight uh, song sketches that he had recorded with his iPhone and his acoustic guitar. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? He's like crapping songs. And uh, I was like, and then it was like, Hey, do you guys, you want to record a record? And I was like, are you, are you kidding me? You know? And, uh, and we just started, uh, John and I started uh, working together, um, hashing these songs out. And uh, well, what we, you mean from, from Ann Arbor? I uh, no, I came back to LA. In now, a few now weeks, Ann and, Arbor, do you have history there? That's the home of the fucking Stooges. Well, I, yeah, I have. Well, I'm actually from Columbus, Ohio, but uh, you know, Route 23 runs through both US Ann Arbor 23. and Columbus. Yeah, US 23. And I, I'm absolutely aware of all the Stooges' history. And went and found Iggy's uh, trailer park. And, ah, uh, but that's not in Ann Arbor. That's in Ypsilanti next door. It is. It is not far <laughs> from the bowling alley. And uh, we went by the Ashton's place and. Uh, Help me piece together all those memories from uh, the various Iggy books that I've read. So the, the the Ashton House is right next to a boneyard, and Ronnie used to take care of raccoons and possums and cats and stuff from there. I that does not surprise me. Look, I want to play. You know, I didn't tell the people that we played Echo Man, but from the new record, I want to play. I got to move.
Live from Pedro Show. Start that chunk of music off with Magnet Hearts. I got to move. Uh, Explore, uh, dedicated to Kevin O'Meara, Explorer Naturalist Elf from Dustin Wong. He lost his buddy and wrote a tune about it, which is the most beautiful thing you can do for a buddy, or one of them. Obama's pregnant after that with the Doppler shift uh, uh, around the D.C. area. Hellbeans from Brighton, England. Prison made a manor. And Barry Burko band. Uh, Diamond Nail. I think Barry's soon going to move to Berlin. The Magnet Hearts, living on from the new... Uh, so, so so when you guys were working on that first batch, you get back, uh, John, from uh, Ann Arbor. And when does the name... Is the the name of the project come out real quick? Yeah, I, I, this is Jonathan. I, I got it from an elevator song. You know, and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Flip inside this house. Because which, is a, heart, which is a Tommy... I think it's a Tommy lyric, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So People don't know, even though Rocky sang the songs, people, in the 13th Floor Elevators, the drummer man wrote a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, you know, and he, uh, Tommy Hall, you know, playing the jug, you know, he he, uh, he supposedly was a, a big part of the production, especially on Easter Everywhere, from reading, from everything I've read. So, you know, he was kind of a whack job, actually a right-wing dude. Not, not a left-wing hippie, but, uh, you know, kind of connected him to this weird, like, Ron, L. Ron Hubbard kind of mishmash of religions and psychology and blah, blah, blah. And it really worked, though. <laughs> and, and the band was magical, so. Yeah, I, I like the words. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you got the art and you got the individual. <laughs> and you need kind of a Berlin Wall or a thing between them because... Some, well, you don't even have to provide that. Sometimes it's just there. Uh, so, so, uh, and I know, you know, right away when I start playing with you, John, or sharing a stage with you, uh, I, I n- noted a connect with the Rocky voice, even though yeah, he's thanks. Houston and you're like, what, Rhode Island? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that shows you about music, like John Fogarty, very Northwest Bayou. <laughs> like El Cerrito yeah. or <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think music puts people in these, uh, you know, I was like a hermit as a kid, just playing guitar, listening to records. So it doesn't matter where you are. Your head is in Austin or whatever, you know, even though I'm in Barrington, Rhode Island. Well, you know what? But, but uh, Sly Stone said, it's not where you're from. It's where you're at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it's a little slang, but you can get the drift on so okay you you and uh, john are trading files or are you actually playing together well he was sending them to me and i was trying to picture how um uh, how i would play over them and we got back i got back i actually did several trips to ann arbor that's that year and i think probably in february or march we started practicing together we brought heath in um our schedules were all really tight uh Keith's producing TV shows. Uh, yep. Jonathan was preparing to go back to Europe with the freaks. Yep. And I, I think we maybe got four or five rehearsals in. And uh, I, I ended up going to Europe with the freaks to be their merch guy and cowbell player, occasional cowbell player. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was, you know, preparing for months for that. And we got back and, 
were pretty exhausted and didn't do much. And one of the things that kind of made that first record happen was Bob Lee and that we did that uh, something shocking from the stocking uh, Christmas album. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. That, that you participated in. Yeah. And Bob and I had arranged for sessions at um, our friend's studio, bringing in different bands like the Darts and John Wall and the Amadons. And we uh, were starting to look at the song list and all the bands lined up. And Jonathan and I looked at each other and like, shit, Bob's in every band on this record. <laughs> so, you know. Well, Bob I'm, Lee, I'm, he, I'm, he, I'm, he's I'm definitely a motivator also. Jonathan's like, we should be on more songs. So there were only two Santa Saba songs on that. And um, so at one of these sessions, my drums were set up and we're like, let's write a Christmas song. And Jonathan literally pulled one out of his sleeve and we he came over and uh, to the studio and we recorded it in about a half hour, I think. And then, uh, and then I was like, wow, that went so well. Uh, can I just leave my drums at the studio? We'll be back next week to record a record. And uh, that's basically what happened. So a lot of it was done spontaneously. Yeah. And then we, where I got involved was when uh, I think you guys called me about doing the, the Christmas tune. And uh, I think I came by and we just jammed on it. And I think while I was there, Jonathan was like, uh, oh, hey, by the way, I got divorced and I wrote 10 really great songs. You want to record a whole album? Yeah, that's what that, I want to know the timeline. So the, it, actually, it was kind of a parallel thing. Like yeah. uh, John and Jonathan are writing songs. And then this uh, Bob Lee with the Christmas thing comes up. And they kind of dovetail, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I think the Christmas thing was the catalyst to getting together, maybe. Jonathan had certainly been writing some great tunes. Um, and I think once we got in a room all together and started playing, it kind of clicked. And the uh, basic tracks were done over three nights, three three three-hour sessions on Thursday nights, and then Jonathan finished up everything else. And we got Danny Magoo. I, do you know Danny, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, in uh, uh, Social Distortion for yeah. a while and uh, played with uh, to um, uh, Tom Waits and uh, lots of people. So, you know, I knew these songs needed keyboards. I was used to having keyboards with freaks. And Also, also there was a version of Black uh, Backbiter with organ. Yeah, yeah, we had a Hammond yeah. organ player and Backbiter, too. Uh, Jeff Mundell. So, uh, you know, Danny... Uh, did everything from his house so you know that it's the, the great thing about technology like what we're doing right now it, he literally mailed it all in and uh, uh you know eventually we got together in the same room and practiced and did some shows but it's uh at his house he had all these vintage keyboards so on the album you hear a harpsichord it's a real harpsichord you hear uh you know m and b3 which he's known for uh, the pianos were real pianos. Uh, the, uh, he used a lot of Mellotron, a real actual Mellotron. So like the strings and all those interesting sounds are Mellotron. And uh, so, yeah, he, he's been a big part of, of the sound too. You know, it's, it, I'd always wanted to play with him. I was always afraid to ask because, you know, he's like a professional musician, you know, playing with big people on tour, making a living from it. And someone said, just ask him, he'll play with you. <laughs> and I did, and he did. So, uh, so besides being at Danny's pad and recording, did you guys do Pratt? 
not much. You know, like John mentioned, uh, we did uh, like maybe five rehearsals getting these down, you know, and Heath and I are, you know, played together forever. And he was a big part of arranging the Backbiter songs, even though I was the primary songwriter. So, you know, having him on board. Also, also, also good at arranging and memorizing fucking parts is Bob Lee, man. He's got such a musical memory. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I knew he's, he's helped everything come along so fast because he's, you know, it would kind of psychically linked or something. I don't know. Just something un- unsaid happens. And I, I've been yeah. playing with Jonathan for 14 years now. So there's a lot of, you know, uh, natural intuitions that just uh, happen, you know. What do you call this? Like symbiosis? Osmosis? Yep. <laughs> or like, you know, D- Dylan would talk about that period where he wrote all those great songs between like 64 and 67. He's like, I don't remember writing most of those. They were, it was like they were dictated to me, you know, like there's a stream or, you know. Yeah, I, I'm a stream not a of methamphetamine. I'm not spiritual, but, you know, there is something to that collective unconscious, and I think anyone who's played music with other people in a meaningful way kind of has experienced it. Yeah, some people say that's the methamphetamine period of Bob Dylan. <laughs> and you know, there's a contest every year where there's different bobs, right? And the meth bob always wins. That's the best. He looks, <laughs> he looks the best, too. <laughs> Some pointy, pointy shoes, sunglasses on at nighttime, and hair way out. Yeah. Uh, people, if you want to know what I'm talking about, there's uh, Mr. Pennebanker made something called Don't Look Back. It's his like, first tour in England. And he's a uh, terrible. Excuse my French. Uh, terrible pronunciation. Okay, so would you consider Danny the producer man, or was it self-produced? Uh, I'd say it was, I was probably the producer, but uh, Justin Burrell, who recorded it, you know, it was kind of, he, he lent, I, I trusted his opinion and asked it a lot, so it was kind of like between me and him, but, you know, pre-production was definitely, you know, John and Heath, and then Danny was doing his parts from his house. So, um, but with very little guidance, I'd write him notes and then he would do whatever he thought sounded good. And whatever he did was always great. Yeah. So you, you, you How much I put on it. You guys would send him the stuff with all three of you and then he'd react to it. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Really, really turn to, you know, that can good. happen. That can happen really good because they got a certain kind of perspective. They haven't been in the practice in the stuff, you know, it's like a kibitzer in chess, right? They can just walk over. Hey, just move the knight over here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, part of the concept of this for me, you know, the, the way everything was put together, that it was part of what, what energized me from the Freaks recording was uh, everything was in layers. You know, I, I started with the songs. I, I The guitars aren't aren't super loud distorted like all most of the bands i've been in so it created a lot of sonic space so i i saw it in layers and i saw the songs in layers um because there was a kind of a circular theme going on so it kind of took the pressure off of everything you know like not there it wasn't dependent on any one instrument any one thing i i knew that all these parts going together were going to equal something pretty good um, uh, you yeah. got good. You got good. Uh, what is it called? Faith. 
Look, we're at the end of the first hour, January 4, 2021. Dishwap Pedro Show, special guest, the Magnet Hearts. Hold tight for hour two. January 4, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. She's sitting in her house.
My life is okay. I retired from Cerritos College. I was a professor out there. I taught cosmetology and technology. And, you know, it was okay. And I belonged to the teacher's thing. But now I don't get to go because I don't drive. And even though people live out here, nobody volunteers to pick you up. We're all retired, and we're all retired from different departments. So when I go to the meetings, they're all glad to see me, but they don't offer to pick me up.
Pedro Show started off the second hour. The Magnet Hearts doing Poppy Peak. <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit. So, uh, skist after that with Butterfly Trapped in a Phone Booth. David Greenberger and Prime Lens with No Rides. Bronx from Osaka with the All Japan Nerd Association. The Red Cross. Steve uh, McDonald's going to be on the show soon. Dumb Angel. A sassafras with Dead Ringer Dirge. That was a good band. Sailor Alexander, right? Uh, I think they were called Stab City. That's his own his own band, but I think they're gone too. Dr. Herman Green 
We lost this incredible sax man from uh, Memphis a month ago, Lady Rose. And finally, you don't know the Magnet Hearts. T- uh, tell me about this fucking Poppy Pete. <laughs> so this is, uh, I uh, live in Northeast, uh, you know, in that Northeast corner of Highland Park. And Poppy Peak is uh, a mountain and it's the tallest part of Highland Park. And we can see all the way down to Pedro from up here. And we can see also deep into the San Fernando Valley. And um, I, uh, you know, Paul Lax from Double Knot Spy Car. Yeah, he's played st- a slide on this. Yeah, um, lap, lap steel. I, I wouldn't he, call he, them mountains, though. I wouldn't call, they call it the Hollywood Hills. They ain't them fucking mountains, dude. <laughs> Maybe in England. So he, he's, he's my neighbor, and um, we have seven acres of undeveloped land behind us, and it's uh, uh, a developer bought all these parcels and wants to put $3 million homes. Uh, you know we, what? We, you know what? I've been out this part. Uh, the Are You a Cop guys live out in... Actually, it's where we lost Tony Dill. Uh, Shadow Hills, uh, Sun Valley. I sure. Mean, it gets really rural out there. Yeah, yeah. And people and, people have designs. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I do. Uh, and we're trying to save this last piece of green space. And uh, we're uh, leading a campaign. We've got 9,000 signatures. And we're working with our elected officials. And we, we created a, a two-minute youtube video and i needed music for it and uh uh we just couldn't get it together and at the last second i called jonathan i was like hey do you got any guitar ditties you can just give for this and he sent it and uh we immediately put it in the video and and then our campaign took off and uh, now people are seeking our help to save their properties <laughs> no but, that's that's uh, bitching that's bitching the, the name of this hill is poppy peak yeah and probably you know what at one point, there was probably a bunch of heroin-producing plants up there. Well, that, that's what it was named for. <laughs> it's uh, only, again, I'm doing that bad word, assume. but <laughs> That's what John wants to preserve. Well, apparently, uh, there were so many poppies on there, you could see the hill from Santa Monica Bay. Well, uh, explorers could. You know, the California it, poppy is actually our state flower, but it don't have a lot of opium, so... Yeah. Okay. It's, it only, it's only it's only for looks. <laughs> but but anyway, anyway, it's probably good. That's not a bad thing. What I want to get at is uh, this second album. So the Poppy Peak tune really ain't part of Jonathan's batches. This just came up. So mag- magnetic hearts can be anything, right? Yeah, I, you know, it's I magnetic I hearts. I'm sorry. Thought of this is like you know, just letting loose letting all my different uh, influences, which is a lot of things. I like a lot of different things. So just not censoring myself, I think, is a big part of this. And so, I mean, this tune's more of a country-ish kind of big star meets... Uh, ah, come on, come on. You sound like Spin Magazine. Music is music. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> we don't got to so, put a fucking yeah. label on it. I want to play ba boo da da da
Why for Pedro show? We heard uh Bad Da No Badu Da Da Da. You know what this reminds me of? This title. There's this famous tape of the Trogs in the studio and they're trying to work out <laughs> yeah. a drum fill. <laughs> yeah. Right, you, Bob Lee could probably quote this motherfucker, but it's like, no, bad, bad, dude, baby. And they're obviously baracha out of their brains, and I don't think they ever get it right. But anyway, uh, th- there's some secrets about this song. We're not going to reveal people because uh, probably it's going to have another incarnation. We're going to some of the up to now, we've played five songs from the new Magnet Heart record. These other guys are because I've rushed them so much. They're still in phases of development, so these are kind of rough mixes. We had Transit Drum with uh, Tribute Stage. I don't know what stage that is, but Quiet Pig from Italy after that, Sit to Go. Uh, Jerome Parker Wells out of St. Louis with Anita. The New Harnessians, I guess they're into harnesses. Uh, Version (laughs) 3, yeah, I don't know about this noun, Harnessians, pronoun. Uh, And then Plus Dog Plus. Other Malays, uh, yeah, interesting music. And then finally, Sleep Party People, a sweet song about love. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, literally, you guys were mixing last night, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not all of it, but yeah, some of it. Um, so you, you can hear there's varying... Uh, you're hearing it in various stages of production. So some songs like Poppy Peak are kind of ready for prime time, and the one you just played, not as much. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to have the motivation uh, to get some shit done this year. Well, five, yeah. I, I have to say, I, this is purely selfish on my part, because I just wanted to play, and I was just trying to find some normalcy. And, and, oh, and Scary word. Well, I don't like that word, normal. You're talking about healthy. <laughs> You're talking about healthy, right, and productive, and uh, treating people decently. Because, yeah. you know, I'm thinking about 19-whatever whatever land, and what was normal, we probably couldn't tolerate. Right. You know the sure, point I'm exactly. trying. I'm not trying to be right or correct or more correct. I always say normal is boring. Or, but, uh, or it's close to that word average or regular. Right. Well, I remember. Uh, well, you, you know uh, Rosemary Carroll. We both had her as a lawyer. I uh, still do. Because she she once said something very similar, talking about you know people like to talk about how great the '70s were, but. You know, pick out any stretch, and and the seventies kind of sucked. Like, yeah. was, was awful. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, my opinion, a lot of uh, looking at yourself. What, what do you call that when you're full of yourself? Yeah, narcissism. Yeah. Narcissism. Like for music, we wouldn't listen to music that was five years old. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I remember I went to, to that music. Uh, All the music we like. Well, I'm just telling you my experience. Uh, You know, my experience was like, you did not. I mean, here's an example. Uh, The Woodstock movie and Sha Na Na, you know, one of the midnight showings, right? (laughs) Sha Na Na comes out. There's motherfuckers booing the screen. This is my dad's music. I mean, that shit was only like 15 years old, 10 years old. People now, a young (laughs) man now will like 50-year-old Black Sabbath. There's no problem. Yeah. There was a no, big problem. Yeah, we so. have a lot of experience with that. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
So, so it, I think what you mean is like there, there gets to be stereotypes and cliches and people don't really want to look at the truth. Right. Or, or I think with music, it's easy to assign a, a time period to it and think that the time was so crucial. And, you know, maybe it was to experiencing it then. But, you know, right now we just have this amazing catalog of music and who cares when it was produced, like Django Reinhardt sounds like to me, like it could have been recorded this morning, you know. You know what? Uh, well, Funhouse, fuck. Yeah. Fifty years old. Give me a break. It could have been recorded next week. Uh, but I'll tell you what stands up from the seventies is the slider snare drum. I mean, Tony Visconti got a good snare drum sound. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is so fucking fat, and you know, maybe it's the way the Will Legend played it. I think he's the only guy left. I think it was caked with cocaine. <laughs> you think that's what did it? <laughs> then we should have all kinds of good sound and snare, right? Yeah, that fucking, yeah, that industry was like swimming in that shit. But a lot of them snappy. don't sound that good. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it, it's trippy about that. But, yeah, people should be a little more, uh, I, I, I agree with you, uh, a, bit, a big time. Look, we're at the end of the... Second hour, uh, Wap Pedro Show, January 4th, 2021. Special guest, Magnet Hearts. Hold tight for hour three. January 4th, 2021. It's the third hour of the Wap Pedro Show.
For Pedro, show we start off the third hour with a rough mix of completely blue, but still for what? Kicking up much dust. The Magnet Hearts. Crane after that with Distant Echoes and Moldom and Al Balmore with Estate. And finally, Arubu Avua with Neonda B7. Uh, let's talk about the bass. Now, these tunes were, you weren't really in on the composition, right, Brother Heath? Uh, not on this uh, second record. As yeah, much. that's what we're talking about. The second album. Yeah. He, he co-wrote completely blue, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. We almost forgot that. Jonathan was like, "Hey, remember this uh, riff we worked on a long time ago?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, yeah." What do you I'm mean a long time ago? You mean before Magnetic Hearts existed? Magnet Hearts existed? Yeah, I think completely blue goes back to um, later Backbiter days, right? Jonathan probably knows the year and stuff, but yeah, two thousand six. Okay, so a little while oh, yeah. ago, that's... yeah, a little while ago, and and, and, and so that is like recent, but that's uh, that's fifteen years ago. And and you were the forger of the riff, uh, forger, For, forge like a blacksmith, not like a criminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more yeah, e- more Ephesus. Uh, you're more like Ephesus. <laughs> okay, and you're not like some fucking conniver. I'm not saying yeah, that, but we worked out a while ago. But um, but, but I like this it, idea. You know, 
there's nothing like a riff, right, to make a song off of. Yeah, it was it was like a guitar part, and then uh, you know I wanted to kind of keep the bass kind of simple behind it, nothing too crazy. Okay, but the majority of these tunes, they brought the guitar, and probably drums too, right? You you were the last layer. Yeah, before Danny. Uh, oh yeah, uh, of course that, the keyboard, of course, of course. But yeah, I, I think you know um, by the time I went in to just lay down the bass parts at John's house on this, um, they kind of had the rough. Uh, demos recorded and i was you know they sent me like some stuff to listen to i think uh maybe the week before you know and i was just play it over and over um just listening but i didn't really pick up the bass until i got uh to john's house with it because i wanted to feel a little spontaneous um i usually like my bass parts to be a little thought out and that usually comes from getting to practice with them you know i think on the especially with the backbiter later stuff we spent a lot of time just kind of playing the songs over and over so that when we got to the studio we weren't wasting time and could just kind of go in and play the parts the way i wanted to play them yeah if you're a bean cutter how much for a prac pad how much for studio time <laughs> yeah i know well, <laughs> studio costs more i think so right so people who you use studio time for a prac pad are kind of insane <laughs> but maybe yeah. not but because of the situation yeah we, we're all doing this alone and then and trading the files and stuff um, yeah. i mean normally you get uh you know i love getting to play together and that's one of the things i missed a lot this year yeah but you know yeah i mean reality deals is a hand i don't like the fact that some babies are born with cancer but why does that fucking happen yeah you know what i mean there's a lot why of stuff to wring our hands about and cry and whine about but I think oh, what yeah, you guys anyone. did, what what you, what you guys did by, you know, yeah, getting over the hell of not getting to play with each other in person, you still put together a real bitchin' record. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate that for sure, and, and it was it was great to get to do it. I mean, in spite of everything, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, I, you know me, I would let you know. Hey, this sounds <laughs> like it's all fucking piecemeal and, you know, uh, dislocated tiny unrelevant parts just floating in some fucking spody you know, broth I, I, but it ain't it's you know at the end of the day it sounds coming out of the speakers and if you guys unite a fucking combo to deliver on some good songwriting i think you want it's a victory yeah right? i agree i agree i'm curious to listen to it i mean i've been listening to it back since we recorded and I'm wondering if like a different bass part will come to me if we start playing it, you know, in a room together. My, like, oh, I would have done this, or I would have done this, but yeah, that's happened to me a lot. I'll second guess. You know, you know, and I bet you everybody who's written books, hey, I should have changed that sentence. You know, yeah, that's what's that called Monday quarterback. I want to yeah. play Pretty Things. And by the way, Jonathan, you a fan of the Pretty Things? Yeah, I mean that. Uh, Reminded me of something for like SF Sorrow or Parachute. Can, so, uh, can I tell uh, you that that was Ronnie, Ron Ashton's favorite band was Pretty Things.
Watt from Pedro Show. We heard Pretty Things, Rough Mix from Magnet Hearts. And then uh, Rapin with Ajigas. It's Norwegian, I guess. Actually, I think it's a dude faking he's Norwegian. <laughs> of course, that's how you do You know, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain, right? And then the Magnet Hearts, finally, the Tremolo song. Rough Mix. Now, you know about what in Tremolo, right? Fucking no. born on the fucking bayou. <laughs> right? Can you even yeah. have that song without tremolo and cowbell? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, you know, when, when John and I were working on that, the, that was a big part of it. Uh, I, I was playing a Vox AC30, and uh, the, it, they, have, they have a good one in there, but it doesn't get super fast. So uh, I was kind of, a, you know, kind of. Ended up being a big part of the sound. Well, did you move the knob to meet John, or did John move the drumming to meet the tremolo? You know, the funny thing about it is, originally we were going to do it really cutting, like you know, like you know that liar song, "Help You Land." Oh uh, yeah, like that it was going to be like that noticeable, but you know, it made it a little hard to play. And the weird thing is with the with the tremolo, just getting it sort of in the ballpark of the. Uh, of the tempo, you know, when, when you rolled it down a little bit, made it a little more subtle, it didn't matter whether it was perfectly in time or not. Cause when you listen to it, it sounds in time. So, uh, but we didn't really labor on the time issues. I mean, Jonathan, you've always had fucking righteous gear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you always have it. And brother Heath too, man, some good fucking, uh, basses and old timey stuff, you know? And, oh yeah. So, so you're you're probably more authority on these kind of things like this. But at the end of the day, what is it? Sound coming out of speakers and ends of the fingers and everything else after that, you know, helps. But Hendrix sounds like Hendrix, whether he's playing a Flying V or a Strat or which Strat. Some of them he played for one gig, right? He just threw them away. Right. And but, uh, John, is, John, what kind of drums did you use? Uh, both albums were recorded with Ludwig drums, okay. and I'm a, I was a Gretsch guy, and now I'm a Ludwig guy, and my wife's last name is Ludwig as well. <laughs> but it's probably the, Ludwig. The new, the, the, the new record was recorded with a brand new set of drums I bought, uh, I just had to have them, uh, they're Ludwig Club Dates, and they have a psychedelic mod orange finish. And what about, and, what about the mic, and was it? Close mic? Uh, basically, for what we did is, um, I have a whisper room in my garage. I don't know if you've seen those vocal booths at NAMM, but uh, my whisper room holds two drum sets. And uh, so I was using an overhead synthesizer, uh, Sennheiser mic uh, over my shoulder. I'm going to ask you again. Answers. Did you do close mic or did you do, you know, because Led Zeppelin Volume 4, right? That's two microphones. And one of them's in the hallway, right? Or a stairway. Yeah, so we, we had close mic on the kick drum and snare and then a stereo condenser overhead, and that was it. Man, to me, get mic and drums is a fucking, it's an art. You know, uh, I had suggested him doing it like that because I read an interview with Shel Talmy talking about how he got those great drum sounds with the Who and the, and the Kinks, and that's all he did. He did a, a condenser overhead over the drummer's right shoulder or left shoulder, I don't know, one of his shoulders. And then close two close mics, and that was it. And I think most of that drum mix is the overhead. We, we 
had four inputs, and one of them was for Jonathan. And uh, we, uh, it, and the one, you know, an interesting thing is that you listen to the playback, and you know what the mic's picking up. So, like in the Pretty Things song tribute, uh, I hit the tom toms really hard in certain parts, so they would come through better. Yeah, that's, that's great yeah. you know you know playing is a big part of it for one reason why the cymbals are too loud people bang the fuck out of their cymbals too hard and that's me <laughs> <laughs> i think i'd mention it off when we weren't on the mic but you know a deadline definitely uh helps with the creative process and just you know an old friend uh saying they like what you're doing can i have some more beans more than you know so thank you Okay, people, it's been the January 4, 2021 Dishwap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.